Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. Other podcasts are available through our website, brumradio.com. Imagine yourself as one of the crew of this faster-than-light spaceship of the future, sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Baffling questions, astounding questions, that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. You're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy podcast. Hello, Nate. Hello, my golden eggs. Hello, <laughs> Keith. Oh, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Hi, guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, babes. <laughs> been a while since we all sat back round in the studio after the festive breaky thingy, weird thing. Yeah, to be fair, I've been glad I haven't seen you all, to be honest with you. I only saw you this week. That's true. <laughs> I've missed Keith, his beautiful face. Ah, thank you very much. I've missed, I've missed his, his beautiful body. Renounce he's trimmed his beard and his hair again. I, did, I, I Honestly, like, I just saw you in my dreams over the holidays. <laughs> Have you guys seen how long my eyebrows are getting? <laughs> <laughs> like an owl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my hair's starting to get bigger as well. It's actually really long now. Did you scared a grown ass fro for 2018? I don't know. It's almost like we're getting the hypothesis that hair grows over time. It's, like, <laughs> it's like Samson, all our powers are contained within our hair. We shave it all, then we, we just stop being geeky. That's it. Unlike me. You're just staring at my hair right now, aren't you? I, no, I don't like, like you pictures. doing a moustache. Pictures of you with it straight in that guy. You looked weird That's when you cool. had your hair straight. I looked beautiful, I have to say. You looked like you'd actually bothered to pay any attention to your mm. appearance for a change. Like the moment like it was done for me, it was like, oh my god, this is this, this is the new thing. This is this You looked is... like you were in a L'Oreal advert with Jennifer Aniston. I haven't seen it, but I imagine you look like a slightly untrustworthy elf. And that's oh, yes. a compliment. <laughs> yes. When you say you had it done for you. He looks female from the rear when he had his hair done. It was like he had the back picture and it was like that's a pretty lady, and then Guy turns around and says, like, ah! It's <laughs> like, hang on a minute, were you checking me out? No, I said you look like a pretty lady from the room, which you did. Thanks. Because he's wearing one of your floral shirts, which looked like a floral dress. That's, uh, yeah, I suppose I would, yeah. We have told him before about going out with a skirt on, though, yeah. so it's not surprising. Should I find a picture for Nate while uh, whilst you're yes. introducing it? Yes, yeah, he could. Keith, do you want to tell us what you've been up to the last few weeks? Um, mostly forgetting what day of the week it is, um, and not watching the news. Which has been gloriously liberating. So I have a theory about this. You know, like L space in this world. Yeah. You have the library and all time of space gets messed up. We have Christmas space as well, which is that period between Christmas Eve and New Year's Day where time kind of gets condensed but stretched out at the same time. Yeah. Whereas one day seems to last three, um, three or four days. But the entire week first, itself, yeah. it feels like just a weekend. We call it the interwar periods. So I don't know, just to add a fresh on of tension, I guess. But it's a strange no man's land, isn't it? Yeah. Did you forget what day of the week it was? Considering you had like the world's longest holiday off from work. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and then like once New Year's Day was over, I was still trying to make it feel like that by watching non-daytime TV, terrible old films. Yeah, I uh, decided to spend because I hadn't really got stuck into a game for a while because I've been too busy, but I thought I would spend all the time 
between Christmas and New Year playing Divinity Original Sin 2, which is like Baldur's Gate 2's large adult son, sort of the definitive <laughs> D&D video game. And I got like, I put 30 odd hours into it yeah. and got to the second act of four. So yeah, may have to uh, to, to bend that habit soon. <laughs> Anyway, where were we? Keith, sorry for what we've been up to. Not watching the news. Uh, getting what day of the week it is. And basically, that was it. I didn't really do a lot over the Christmas holidays. Well, I had grand plans of watching like a dozen movies and stuff. I ended up just watching stuff that was on telly, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or Gremlins or something. How good was that? Boxing Day, 9.25 in the morning, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was on. I was just I was just amazed at the quality of the print. I was like, oh my God, this looks really good. <laughs> Was it Gremlins one or two? Because two is a genuine postmodern masterpiece. But no, it was just it was just Gremlins one. That's pretty good. Gremlins, Gremlins, Gremlins two was the satire for its age, I think. Oh, it's amazing. I have it's... not seen it. What? 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 Have you not seen Gremlins two? I don't know. It's on every other week on one of the ITV channels. I think <laughs> it's like they pay for the three licenses that they spam out every year. It's like guaranteed there will be a Bond film on within like a week's period on any ITV um, channel. God, you... and Harry Potter marathons. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to see which version of Gremlins 2 they play. Because in the, in the middle, there's a point where the film breaks down. Yeah. And in the cinema, it was as if the film had actually Stopped. broken and yeah. burnt in the, in, the, in the projector kids' projectors. They used to have film that ran through projectors. Yeah, amazing. And then they, when they did it on home video, they had, like I think it was Hulk Hogan... Um, was the, the fact that your video VCR because all the tracking went off and it was like uh, they should redo it and do it as for like DVD or Blu-ray or stream or just like or have something. it skip or like get, uh, have lots of artifacts to them yeah they should do something I think that's the thing I think that's what like, Joe Dante if you're listening you should do a reissue of Gremlins 2 and replace that bit with some kind of streaming version of the breakdown of Gremlins like a loading thing no. yeah like buffering and it'd be, yeah, it'd be really cool. Inevitably, we'll just get a reboot with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But I don't think I'm complaining. <laughs> Do you imagine Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Gremlins? Yes. What, what yes, role would he <laughs> He'd be a gremlin. You see, a really big henchman. <laughs> what, what Jack really... Black plays a really annoying gremlin on the side. Yes. <laughs> what we're really missing is a weekly episode of The Muppets. Because Dwayne The Rock Johnson would go very well on an episode of The Muppets where he gets to do a song and dance number and has to interact with Miss Piggy. Do you know, you're spot on. Yeah. There was that Muppets revival in the late 90s, which sort of fell flat on its face. I really but, enjoyed that. That was like on Sky One, if I remember correctly, and it had a decent-ish period. I, I remember enjoying it, but yeah. I just it sort of vanished from without a trace. Well, they tried again in the mid-2000s, and that fell flat on its face as well. Then we had the films come out, and then they seemed to have died off. It was the, um, the, the the late nineties one was when they tried to do like a talk show type thing. Yeah, because it was Clifford who was the talk show host. Muppets Tonight. That's yeah, Muppets Tonight. Yeah. yeah, that was I quite. I got I've got a few episodes of that recorded off the telly on some VHS cassettes in the cupboard. That's that's Again, old video that, talent. <laughs> it's like DVD, but worse. <laughs> I think I think it's on a cassette with something about whales narrated by Kenneth. Was Brown. it was it the JVC cassette? Uh, no, was it, was I think the one it was. With a, the I think I think it might have been a Memorex cassette. Could, Re-record, not fade away. Did yeah. you break the little bit of black plastic off so you could make it long play? Uh, nah, nah. You never did long play? No, because that reduced the quality. No, that, the little bit of plastic was to was Stop the recording. It recording. Yeah, to, to, oh, it, was yeah. it was long play on the cassette, Which is, on, the, on the player itself you could do it. But I, uh, I only ever recorded on long play when it was just trash like War of the Worlds that I taped at one o'clock in the morning on ITV. This is like people after an apocalypse trying to remember how toasters work. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is why most VHS cassettes in the world have sellotape over that little hole. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was the that was the like the copyright protection break on it. That's adorable. <laughs> it's not adorable because my mum recorded over my original copy of VHS Transformers the movie from 1984 <laughs> with Coronation Street as that was the first tape she found I remember the first I time I didn't speak to her for a week <laughs> it's quite a mashup the first time I got a VCR player in my room uh, the first thing I taped was Desperado on Channel 4 <laughs> was that for the Salma Hayek action? Brian what do you take me for? <laughs> a child with a VHS <laughs> enjoyable film <laughs> And Salma Hayek's in it. Yeah, Salma Hayek, I, I don't know. It's, she's very irritating. What, in Desperado? Just in general. Are we talking about the original Desperado, which was made in... Well, El Mariachi. El Mariachi. No, it's Desperado. One of them, I'm Yeah, because that really confused, because you had El Mariachi, which was the original Spanish language film, which they made into Desperado, and then they followed it up with the Mariachi. No, the one with Steve Buscemi. And... It was Once Upon a Time in Mexico followed... Yeah, yeah, but they made the mariachi as well, though, didn't they? Which I don't was... remember that. Wait, when, was that when, basically, basically, Desperado was a remake of, of El Mariachi. El mariachi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are we talking about the one where uh, Mel Gibson plays cards on a boat? No. That's... That sounds like Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, they're both cowboy words. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd have loved to see him in that one. No, um, Desperado is the one where you got Quentin Tarantino giving the big speech at the start and then he gets shot. And then it's like, oh, right. yes. it's a Mexican mariachi band, and instead of a guitar in his suitcase, he's just got lots of guns. Yes, and okay, then his yeah. mates turn up with the most frankly ridiculous rocket launcher of all time hidden into a double bass guitar. It's yes. kind of like Evil Dead in the yeah. way the kind of first one's quite quite straight and serious, and then the second one's basically just remade, but yeah, but with taken a bit of humor. Kind of like, Let's do it again, but weird. Yeah, but we yeah. kind of really yeah. weird. They are, I, they're very enjoyable movies. Desperado is a really great film. I, mean, I might have to rewatch that. Actually. Well, that was Robert Rodriguez's big break, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and what before we turned to Spy Kids? Well, didn't was it Robert Rodriguez who did Dust Till Dawn? Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, which is again classic, classic vampire soundtrack as well. Mm. Well, I got Tarantino involved with that one, so he always knows how to do a good soundtrack, does Tarantino? Okay. Imagine what his Star Trek soundtrack's going to be. <laughs> oh, that! Yeah. Intergalactic. <laughs> I just, I just want to see like Captain Picard and somebody dancing to like Chuck Berry in the middle of the bridge. <laughs> Let's definitely talk about Tarantino's Star Trek in a bit. I think we should just do it now. Tarantino's <laughs> doing now. the elephant in the room. Yes, it is possibly the weirdest collaboration that I've seen go around online for a long time. But he needs to do a sci-fi film. That, need, that needs to be well, part of his this, repertoire. Th- this is going to be his last film. If he sticks to his original plan, whatever film he does next is his last film. Seriously? But his next film's the one about the Charles Manson. Yeah, that's what I mean. So we've got the Manson movie, and then he said he'd do one more film, and then so that would be did his squat. 12th, yeah. isn't yeah, yeah. He said he would only ever make 12 films in his career, and then stop. No, he won't. <laughs> But that's what he's always said, is, I'll do 12 films, I'll stop before we get bad. He's talking rubbish. It just doesn't strike me as... I mean, the ethos of Star Trek... Yeah. Like, okay, you look at Discovery, I've enjoyed yeah. that for the most part, and I yeah. think it's been very different from the Star Trek we're used to, yeah. but it's aligned with the same ethos. Yeah. I can't imagine any ethos being more different. From you can't that. imagine Samuel L. Jackson doing the Ezekiel speech to some Romulans. Yeah, it's just too much <laughs> roaring and bullets. Oh, of course <laughs> Samuel L. will have to be in it, won't Yeah. Yeah. Samuel L. will be blatantly an admiral somewhere and he'll just cameo for about ten minutes. I mean, don't get me wrong, I can live with that, <laughs> but it just seems... 
This is Samuel L. Jackson's plan to be to every single franchise. I think he was very disappointed when he didn't get the call for Harry Potter at any point. He can always end yeah. up in one of the Fantastic Beast movies, though. Who it would you cast him as in Potter, actually? Snape. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always. Actually, Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry, did you put your name in the goblet, you little mother? <laughs> Do you think that, like, if he did, like, Tarantino did the Star Trek film, that you get close up of Patrick Stewart's feet? No, Deanna Troy's. I wouldn't mind if because Patrick Stewart said he's, he's in to do it if Tarantino does it I love the fact he signed himself up for it and Tarantino's like hang on a minute Stuart I don't even want you <laughs> excuse me I'm a knight because <laughs> he's doing it he's doing it with J.J. Abrams so it wouldn't be too bad if they kind of did a flash forward into the Kelvin universe to the next gen period and just did Ooh. something set well in the future or oh, it's kind of a mirror 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 universe. mirror mirror universe Tarantino there we go okay so this was going to be my next question yeah is he doing this film within the continuity that Abrams set up well he wouldn't be in prime time right now because they've pretty much cast that aside with, until Discovery's finished its run and then they're going to decide what to do afterwards right so we've got the JJ universe is Discovery not its own timeline they haven't said but they keep they keep saying it's prime timeline but I don't believe them it's prime timeline this is getting like comics yeah yeah, I, I think there's going to be some kind of rug pull in the second part of this season of Discovery that kind of lets us know where yeah, it is. Yeah, because where it's set, if it was prime timeline, then it means the Kelvin has been destroyed, which would then put it into the JJ timeline. Right. Because it's created a time loop. Yeah, oh. Because the whole point is Spock goes back in time <coughs> to sort out the Romulan thing, and then the ship goes back for Zeneric Banders, and it's like the most convoluted thing that they could have done, but created a loop in time. It's really convoluted yeah. now, I remember it. But now it's kind of like they haven't said, because this is pre-Enterprise, but it would be post-Kelvin where they've set Discovery. So it doesn't say if it is JJ or Prime. Do you think Tarantino will cast that man with a plastic face? You know, that plastic face man in Star Trek? Odo. Brett Spiner. The Data. One, yeah, the Renny one who's in Independence Day, that chap. Yeah, Brits, Brits Not the one who lives in a bucket in these days. Rene Aubergeon one. He was actually in original Star Trek as well. No way, really? He's in um, Star Trek Six: Undiscovered Country. A talented man. I liked that one. That's where Captain Kirk meets God, but it's a naughty man. Yes. Uh, no, no, that's no, no. Five. That's, that's five. That's Final that's, Frontier. Yeah. When they get Undiscovered Country is the one where we find out Klingons have pink blood. Oh yeah, which is never ever seen again in any of the series. Yeah, maybe in the Tarantino verse they remix "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" and do that in his version because that's already like in Star Trek as a as a soundtrack thing. But so shall we think about who was going to collaborate? So we guarantee there's going to be Samuel L. Jackson at some point in this film. What other Tarantino regulars do we think could be in the Uma Thurman? Probably. Bashemi. Yeah, Bashemi would turn up at some point. Rodriguez would probably be in the background somewhere. He's just get... that does he? Nobody always pops up. They always cameo in Christoph Waltz and uh, Michael Fassbender. Bashemi would be a, a sick sort of skeezy alien. <laughs> he Bash- does a bad deal with someone. Bashemi would be like uh, John Turturro's character in Men in Black. Yeah, quite. He'd just quite. get his head popped off every five minutes and come back. <laughs> Tim Roth. Tim Roth, yes, good call. Harvey Keitel. No, I would Harvey Keitel would be the fixer for the Federation. He'd <laughs> just be like, Gild. 
Oh, that's the best bit. Surely, surely KFC is so quintessentially American, and Man. they don't really do, do they do they, gravy. The gravy is a huge thing in the states, but they never use it like on a roast dinner. Yeah, and, and also when they sometimes say gravy. They mean a sort of a lumpy white sauce with bits of ham in it? it yeah, it looks okay. like bread sauce that you used to get on fish when you like... Yeah, it's legit. Back in the 80s. But, it's legit. And they still can't get around what a biscuit is. <coughs> <laughs> Never ask for a biscuit with a cup of tea in America. <laughs> that would be like the worst possible wish. I mean, surely you wouldn't ask for a cup of tea in America either. Well, what they would do would bring you a cup of sweet tea, oh. which is just sugar with some slight tea flavouring. You ask for tea in America, you actually get a mug of gravy with vodka in it. That's bringing us full circle. Anyway, back round to where we supposed to be. Nate, what have you been up to the last few weeks? Uh, well, as I jumped the gun earlier, I've uh, <laughs> just been entirely buried in uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Uh, what else have I been up to? Had a bit of a cold, that's been a laugh. Um, <laughs> oh, Not a lot, really. I had a very busy last year, so... Um, I've been almost relaxing. It's quite. <coughs> well, good. Never actually got on with the D and D games. There's like Baldur's Gate and stuff like that. It was always a bit of a hard game for me to get into. Yeah, I think if you can accept the fact that you're going to spend eighty percent of your time doing inventory management, it's all right. And it's really, you know, I mean, the writing is fantastic yeah. and the environments are gorgeous. But you know, I spend most of my time in game frantically comparing stats on belts, deciding which to give to my lizard man and which to my skeleton. Yeah. Actually, my main character accidentally had intercourse with a skeleton, um, <laughs> which was, I thought, a really interesting storytelling choice. Uh, he's How- one of my party members. And, like, he was just having a chat, and he thought my main character was flirting with him. So I thought, well, yellow. <laughs> Go for I it. I said, yeah, I am. And... Uh, what followed was an eye opener. <laughs> I mean, they didn't show anything. I'm, I'm just trying to work out the mechanics of this because they've got. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, the bone zone. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was See, I, was, I was refraining from many, any kind of mention of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I mean, it was none of it was X rated, yeah. but yeah, like I say, that's bold storytelling choice. So I always love the Drizzt stories. R. A. Salvatore's works amazing. You yeah. ever read that kind of novel? Never forgive, forgive him for killing Chewbacca, but yeah, I'm with yeah. you. But it doesn't really get stuff. It's just the game seems like it, it's it's a game that you know you're going to invest hours into it. It's not like Civilization where you boot a game up and say I'll spend twenty minutes and then it's four a.m. and you're like, what's going on? Here? It's like it's a definite time commitment. Well, yeah, because my weapon of choice recently has been Hearthstone because. It's addictive and quick, and you can just have a 20-minute session, as you say. Yeah. So I'm generally wary of the real-time sinks, but I yeah. uh, thought I'd treat myself. And I'm nowhere near even halfway through, so... Mm-hmm. You've got to click the keys and enter and a web address to get your weird news out, and Ryan reads out the rest. <laughs> it's a weird news. Weird news. We're playing our song. <laughs> Whatever's. What there you go. <laughs> We've set Keith a challenge to learn the John Barnes rap from the Orders of Order. Do you want to explain why the John Barnes rap has come up? Because he's got shipped into the Big Brother house because they were scraping the barrel for people. No, they've gone through the barrel. They're now scraping the concrete underneath the barrel. <laughs> they really are. Um, Have you seen the list at all, Nate? No. 
Uh, explain who else is in the. Do you remember the novelty, not novelty, but the 90s dance song Pony oh. by Genuine? Oh, how could I forget? Yeah. <laughs> so he's in the Big River House. Really? That's his oddest cameo since Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favourite thing is Boris Johnson's sister is in there as well. Oh. It's has, like, has she done that before? No. It's like. It's like being a relation of somebody is now a claim to fame. Apparently so. I guess if that, if that's your only way of getting away from him, I suppose it's acceptable. <laughs> I guess. Also, Ryan, how do you feel that your wife loves me more than she loves you because she just presented a can of San Pellegrino in front of me and didn't buy you one? She got me a flapjack. <laughs> that was her excuse. Alright, are we ready for our weird news? Yeah. Before I'm ready. Right, I have two to choose from. So the first one is... From NDTV. Which is? Uh, online news website. Okay. Uh, woman denied entry to airport lounge for wearing Ugg boots. <laughs> and our second one is Chinese firm turns panda poop into toilet paper. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Which no, one that's would really be... smart. <laughs> Which one would we prefer? Panda poop. Panda poop. Yeah, I mean, the first one's just a sensible decision. Yes. So this is from Associated Press, by the way, of NDTV. Chinese firm turns panda poop into toilet paper. When life gave one Chinese company giant panda poop, it decided to make paper and profits. What a byline there. That's lovely. <laughs> the Qianwei Fengsheng Paper Company in southwest Sichuan Province has tied up with the China Conservation and Research Centre for the Giant Panda to recycle animal faces and food debris into toilet paper, napkins and other household products, state media reported Wednesday. Right, I have an issue already. Toilet paper, yeah, I can consider napkins. Potentially not. Facial napkins made from panda poop? No. No. The goods will soon be released to the Chinese market with, and marketed as part of a panda poo product line decorated with a pear, picture of a bamboo eating black and white bear. Just panda. Panda, oh. panda. It's always a, I always think like the panda is like China's version of the Mickey Mouse face. <laughs> just with it's just got the ears inside the circle, <laughs> yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've already got an issue with this story. I yes. mean, I can see the logic. Pandas eat a lot of bamboo. Yeah. Um, there's not it's, much to digest. It's quite a lot of cellulose in there. It's quite a thick... Yeah. yeah they just basically poo wood, don't they? Yeah. I guess my question is, why not just use bamboo? <laughs> like, pandas are not exactly the most yeah. efficient industrial machinery you could put in the middle of that process. I, I love it that <laughs> their digestion is still set up for carnivals. So pandas are designed to still eat meat, yet they're that lazy. They just reach the nearest bit of drink. <laughs> they're innately tragic. I do like them. Yes. <laughs> are you only going to get like two or three sheets of roll, though? Because like, you're not going to get an awful lot out of your very limited panda I think Chris workforce. Chris Packham has basically said, that why are we bothering to conserve pandas? They're just like the worst evolutionary dead end of all time. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nasty. Anyway, Huang Yang, a researcher at the Giant Panda Centre, told the Chengdu Business Daily Paper, they're taking care of our garbage for us. And now I just have an image of panda bin men just wandering around the streets. Yeah, that's the world I want to live in, yeah. <laughs> yes. Huang told Xinhua State News Agency that 10 kilograms of bamboo poo that adult pandas unleash daily is rich in fibre after resorbing the fructose from the shoots. In addition to their valuable dung, pandas also produce 50 kilos of food waste per day in the bamboo husk they spit out after chewing. 
Whilst the process of turning bamboo into paper generally involves the breaking down of fructose to extract fibre, this step naturally occurs in the panda's digestive tract, the paper company's president, Jiang Chaolin, told Xinhua. Feng Sheng will collect the faeces from three panda bases in Sichuan province a couple of times a week. After it is boiled, pasteurised and turned into paper, it will be tested for bacteria before it goes to sale. I mean, like, you're going to buy this. It, the thought's going to go through your head when you're using it, like... Oh, do you know what? I'm just I'm just rubbing my my flesh with with turd. <laughs> yes. So yes. just if you're gonna do that, just spread on your spread your own mess on yourself. Yes. Box of panda poo <laughs> tissues will be sold for thirty forty three yuan, which is six dollars fifty a pop. Six pound fifty for bog roll. Yes. Having a laugh. Pandas get what they want, and we do too. It's a win win. Is something <laughs> there's something really value add about animal <laughs> digestive tracts? It's like that. Well, there's coffee, a civic coffee, yeah. It's bum, yeah. Yeah. Um, raise the premium. Yeah. What would you prefer, pooed out coffee <clears> from a civet or panda poo face wipes? Probably the face wipes, to be honest with you. <laughs> Even so, I mean, it's like... Uh, I'm just getting a sort of a Frank Herbert's Dune vibe <laughs> from this. Uh, he controls the panda poo, controls the universe. Yeah. Ten kilos a day, that's some hefty pooing going well, on. Well, a panda, it. I believe, on yeah. average, is masses less than a human being. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's like doing a bowling ball every day. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bit much. I'm slightly concerned, though, is if, if there's something Andrex hasn't been telling us for years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these little labs have been running around. Oh. They, well, they've just got a field. They've got like a warehouse full of Labrador pooing rolls. <laughs> Eat this bamboo, you stupid dog. <laughs> Labrador sweatshop. <laughs> the genetically engineered ones. It's like Castle Wolfenstein, but with Labradors. I'd cry at the horror of it, but I don't want to wipe my eyes with a dog egg. <laughs> That's what they mean by puppy soft. <laughs> why, haven't, why hasn't Andrex ever done an offer where you can get like a, a toilet roll dispenser? in the shape of a Labrador and you just pull it out of the back I just find this difficult <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> 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 my brain refused to process that image for a full four seconds uh, I had the original you just have like the dog's head with a roll held in its mouth and you just pull it off the roll that way oh my god no what you need is like the dog like stood like turned backwards and then like his on tail, his tail. Still on his tail and you pull the bugger off his tail that's actually amazing <laughs> Tell you what, though, this is a common thing in Absolutely. Cushel has a little koala as its mascot. Oh, he's a git, he is. He's a round steel git. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the thing. All of these toilet roll companies with, like, soft animals as mascots, when you think about why are they soft, why would you want toilet paper to be soft, the association is just wiping your bum on an animal, and that's not cool. (laughs) In the early 1900s, toilet paper was sold on the guaranteed no splinters. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's where we come from with toilet roll <laughs> it takes a bizarre left turn though when yeah. we get to the invention of toilet wipes which are primarily advertised using amphibians and children like can do was, was, was frogs yeah. so where do we go from cuddly pandas to frogs yeah. soft or moist your choice my, my, one of my one of his favourite adverts of all time is when a child decides to go for a poo at Paul's house he won't poo in his own loo he has to go around his friends to have a poo <laughs> what advert was that for? I don't remember. It was one of the toilet papers. Was it like a freshener or something? I think it was those kiddie wipe, botty wipe things that you get. Mom, 
I want to do a poo. Come on, then. But I want to do a poo in Paul's bathroom. Don't be silly. Come on. I'm going to do a poo at Paul. There have been adverts recently for <coughs> something called VI Poo. Yes. I think I've caught them on YouTube, and I thought it was a, a satire for a while. <laughs> It's not, it's real. They've actually been on the television. Oh, really? Yeah, I've seen them on. I wonder whether it was just because it was Christmas and people might have been eating a lot of uh, sprouts. Is this to make... Is this, this, the season. It's to make, is this to make the crapper smell nicer before yes. you go in? I mean... No, it's to trap the smell in the loo. Apparently, you spray it over the water. It creates a seal. And well, then well, that's going to break to it... But that's gonna, it's, the seal's going to be broken as soon as you... I mean, but there's block. no. It's not fun going into a public toilet without smelling it, is it? You know, you need that. You need that like smell of regret when you walk in there. I'm like, why have I? Why have I entered this the premises? It's experience. <laughs> and in my experience, most public toilets, people will not deposit stuff that goes below the water level. <laughs> I am really not fancying those for our washing. Whilst we're right this, I'm going to describe the advert which I'm about to show you. Have, have any of you seen the advert for the Squatty Potty? No, no but I feel like I'm about to. <laughs> right, the Squatty Potty is basically like a shelf that you put underneath your toilet to lift your legs up a little bit when you go. Why? Or well, you'll find out for the mystery of a unicorn having rainbow poo. Well, I do know the science behind the positioning of the body and defecation. Just apologies to anyone sitting down for a nice chow mein or a sandwich. Or a bis- oh, yeah, a nice biscuit. Yeah. I mean, we have literally resorted to toilet humour. Yeah. It's the first show back. It's, it was guaranteed that something was going to happen like this. There you go. It's right. all those rich foods over the holiday period. New year, new us. Are we ready? What on earth is that? Wow. Oh, I'm just looking at the video thumbnails. It's going to haunt my dreams for weeks, isn't oh, it? Oh, God. This is two minutes long. <laughs> oh, what is this, Ryan? I love the hashtag in the top, all the way. Just hashtag, hashtag squatty. Impressively, body. 33 million views. <sighs> well, this is upsetting. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's a unicorn doing a poo and a man's just licked her. <laughs> I feel like I'm having a psychotic break while watching Shrek. My favourite is it's glittery. Uh, Ryan, I'm, I'm done. I can't watch yeah, no, it. This is enough. This is wrong. And this is really we cool. Seen the product yet. Mate, he's just used the term unicorn hemorrhoids. I, I don't think any video should ever use the term unicorn hemorrhoids. It's the way the unicorn keeps turning avariciously towards the camera. <laughs> oh my god, Ryan. Turn this off. It's horrendous. We're not, we're not done yet. Why has he got two medals? Why does he deserve that? He's his cape up. Oh. He looks like Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it's a stool you put your feet on. Yep. And then you go for a dumb. Yep. Right. Now look, I know we've given this a hard time, but I kind of want one of these now. <laughs> look, that looks comfortable. You yeah. just not use a footstool. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That was my favourite phrase of the whole thing. Can't get the last scoop out of the carton. Oh... <laughs> Do you know what I love about this though? Is that unicorn? What is that unicorn eating to be doing so much here? Like, it's saying it'll make your pooing time shorter. Yep. 
Where am I going to read my books? It's half the time, apparently. That's not enough time to get onto your Wi-Fi network. Do you know what? Do you know why this young, it's taking the unicorn, like, why he's doing so much? He's got norovirus. <laughs> I think the squatty potty needs a cup holder and a, and a kind of mobile stand on it as well to make it even more desirable. Yeah, just, we're talking. Just like flexible outliers. <laughs> but now they have, um, they have diversified and uh, oh, right, no, enough. <laughs> you're treating us to more it's now unicorn gold oh okay so this is the this same is as the, the spray basically. Yeah, this is basically the same as VIP poo and it's back this is a whole brand of yes. gear I mean what happens <laughs> if the PR team behind this go into politics yes well, what what annoys me even more is they they freed the unicorn now from this ice cream factory which was enslaved to produce rainbow ice cream. But now they've just stuck a plunger to its bottom and they're sucking out unicorn smell. It's really troubling. Oh, for God's sake! Did I wake up this morning or am I still dreaming? Yeah. So I just thought it was worth showing you this. Um, 4.9 out of 5. <laughs> Somebody has really complained about their unicorn gold. I must say, though, the quality of the advertisement is brilliant. It's really well done. <laughs> They've spent an absolute fortune on these yeah. two adverts. Yeah, this is like Mad Men level stuff. This is like, he looks a little bit like Greg Sestero as well. But I just thought I'd introduce you to the unicorn gold and the squatty party. Thanks, I guess. Happy New Year, Ryan. <laughs> That's my gift to you for the start of 2018. Talking of um, turds, I've got some McFadden news. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, it's not much. It was a, a brief interview with uh, Steve McFadden when he was pantoing last year. This was published just before Christmas from I the Herald. That it was a very good panto. Um, there's just a couple of good quotes in this that I liked. One of TV's most famous faces is reclining, reclining on a sofa at the Theatre Royal Plymouth. On small screen, on screen, Steve McFadden's faint voice gangster dad, Bill Mitchell, is the epitome of all, all things small time crook. But here, in the surrounds of the theatre's press lounge, he's twinkling like a Christmas ornament with all Baroque glory of a different villain entirely, Captain Hook. Um, it's different, it's difficult to imagine a more surreal scene, but Steve's opening words, I'm a massive seafood fan of the icing on the cake. <laughs> Sorry, does, he, does, he, does he ice his cake with seafood? <laughs> uh, Just like, like prawns, like on a, like a nice Christmas cake. Up for that, <laughs> Rachel Dodd is the journalist. She deserves a Pulitzer for describing him as a faint voiced gangster. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect three it's word better, summary. It's better that. than the usual description of TV Harbin. Yeah, I'm really, really pleased with that. Um, so Steve is looking forward to ex- okay it's the height of summer and we're discussing the virtues of Plymouth Steve, something Steve is looking forward to exploring during the five rerun of Peter Pan uh, he says I've dipped my toe in the water of Plymouth but I'll be properly living here for five weeks or so I'll be looking forward to finding all the little gems <laughs> said Steve well he's on his seafood hunt aren't he? there, there, there's a TV show to start off with Steve McFadden's seafood hunt <laughs> or a video game where he must find tiny jewels in Plymouth <laughs> I get this, get this gets better. This gets better. I catch fish and eat seafood like a trawler. <laughs> well, you know when you see a humpback whale just breach from the water with its enormous scoop-like jaw sweeping up. Just Steve McFadden, like gracefully yeah. descending. Um, <laughs> Majestic. 
this this is a bit sad now, this bit. He visibly deflates on hearing the news that he's just missed a Plymouth Seafood Festival. <laughs> <laughs> just the phrasing that visibly deflates. Just withering. Mm. I just can imagine that scene in Big Hero 6 where he gets the puncher. <laughs> Steve McBenham's face. Look at the inflated balloon. <laughs> just like holding the, putting his finger on his side so he doesn't deflate. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Just chewing a crab stick like a cigar. <laughs> we move on before Phil makes a sudden. We need, move, move on before Phil makes a sudden appearance and starts blackmailing us for prawns. <laughs> How can he make a sudden appearance when she's interviewing him? It's not like as he deflated to nothing, then just reappear from a door. A second copy bursts from the floor. But <laughs> the shark in jaws. This is not the first time in the city. Uh, this is not Steve's first time see. He remembers the, fir- the time he went to Plymouth Student Union and in the bizarre style of, S- uh, of SU's up and down across the country. Everyone was wearing a Phil Mitchell mask. <laughs> so like being John Malkovich, but being <laughs> Steve McFadden. <laughs> it was it's a great- like you wake up on like a deserted freeway somewhere with a craving for seafood. <laughs> in a faint voice. <laughs> the seafood thing's really added to the man's mythology. Thank you. Oh, that's a great picture. You need to show this picture. Seafood bites back. This <laughs> uh, is Steve in a in a crocodile's mouth. Uh, it just goes on a little bit more. What? Uh, uh, stop! Stop! You need to show people the amount. Stop of, touching the tablet. <laughs> the amount of makeup that he's got wow. on in that picture. Is so that it, it's based like Photoshop. He's just smooth. That's that's, that's basically how it goes. However, on the subject of Mitchells, did anybody read this amazing news story that happened in Shirley, my girlfriend's home, 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 home. <laughs> um, Ross Kemp burst into the post office in Shirley to stop a robbery, apparently, or something of that nature. Right. What's yeah. happening is he's filming with the West Midlands Police armed response unit at the moment for his Ross Kemp TV series. So he's basically responding to armed crime. So we have the McDonald's issue. Era where he burst into Northfield McDonald's when the guy had already run off, and now he's gone to Shirley Post Office. Yeah, so there was uproar in Shirley Post. I mean, it's not well, my my quote from that article. My favourite quote of all was, "Ross Kemp is a strong man, and we're all stronger for his presence at Shirley Post Office." <laughs> Adorable. Is he allowed a gun on these operations? I hope so. I assume not. <laughs> it sounds like a really cheap version of the trailer I recently saw with Bruce Willis in Death Wish. Phil uh, like Mitchell's like a cheapo Bruce Willis. They're bringing back Death Wish. They're bringing back Death Wish with Bruce Willis. But who's going to direct it now? Michael Winner is no longer with us. Uh, he did say, but by that time my brain had disengaged entirely. And um, yeah, it looked terrible. Yeah. Which is not good. But yeah, he looked a bit like Phil Mitchell, Bruce Willis. <laughs> Oh, if we're going to round up on the EastEnders cast, by the way, I also tried to befriend Ian Beale on <laughs> but was ignored like a dog in the rain, he so ignored he's you. dead to me now, yeah. Shocking behaviour, absolutely yeah. shocking. Maybe I mean, we just need a blue tick on the job. What's, <laughs> where did Phil get with that? I don't think he ever approached him, did he? No. It's not good enough for Phil. Well, I was, I was true to my word, boys. I was true yeah. to my word. Uh, Adam. Come on, just give us some unique in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you know what's great though? It's about soap actors. Is that people don't tend to know their names, like their actual real names. So I was watching this really stupid show at Christmas called Guest Star. God knows what it was. It was like basically minor celebrities dressed up as famous like musicians, Me and, and they had to, that and they well. had to guess who the celebrity was who was dressed up. 
So anyway, one of the people dressed up as Lemmy from Motorhead, and some of the guys from Diversity, the dance group, were on there, and they didn't know the name of the actor, so they just literally wrote Marlon, as in Marlon from Emmerdale, because <laughs> they didn't know, and it's like, that's the curse of being a social so people don't know you by your real name. So like, if you're Ian Beale, you are always going to be known as Ian Beale. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. We're like, we went through his name. I can't remember it. <laughs> it's like Adam... Stuff? I don't know. <laughs> Would you? Yeah, that's, oh, it was Adam. Oh, yes. nice. Alright, to bring this full circle, one of our friends of the show, Shane Chevy, <laughs> runs Ice Comic Con in, in Birmingham, which is always amazing. He does one in Bristol and is doing one in Margate, I believe, as well this year, Keith. Yeah, yeah. But he posted this amazing story which he found online, which is pretty much kills the death of Comic Cons. In his first, <laughs> yeah. his first Canadian Comic Con appearance, the man, the legend at Comic Con Niagara Falls, June the first to the third, twenty eighteen, William Roach from Coronation Street is a headline guest. Really? <laughs> <laughs> On what basis? <laughs> it's basically legend. This is the actual description here. Coronation Street fans, William Roach will William Roach will make his first ever appearance. Legend William has portrayed Ken Barlow since the very first episode of Coronation Street way back on December the 9th, 1960. Tickets now on sale. Has it got a big, uh, big audience in Canada? Uh, apparently, Co- Coronation Street must have a decent sized audience in well, Canada. It's a comic on what's he gonna, I don't, that's weird. So maybe it's because there's something coming up this year where we find out finally that Coronation Street actually takes place in the same universe as all the Arrow <laughs> as the Marvel shows. Cinem- the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. <laughs> And there's, a, yeah, there's a secret hidden shield base underneath the <laughs> rover's return. <laughs> but all I could think was is where is my range of Coronation Street and EastEnders themed Funko Pops? Well, coming apparently. Oh my god, I totally love a Deirdre Funko Pop. <laughs> well, that's a little bit short. <laughs> Comes with a bit of tire chain in it. <laughs> yeah, and a fake knife. <laughs> I think they should do like everyone like the DC bombshells but the 50s and 60s version so you got like Betty Gilpin and sexy boaties holding a heart pop Bianca Jackson <laughs> <laughs> this world's too beautiful to be real dot with a fag sticking out of her mouth in full on dry cleaning wall Tiffany post car crash <laughs> so Star Wars the now Christmassy tweet for all of us and we had The Last Jedi I was disappointed. Keith, you loved it. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Nate, thoughts? Uh, I had a blast in the cinema, then my mate convinced me it was rubbish. <laughs> it was really good again. Guy, thoughts? Uh, I, I'm mixed. As I get, I'm very similar to you, Nate. I really enjoyed it in the cinema, and then spent the entire night afterwards picking plot holes in it, going, well, why did that bit happen? Keith, do you want to give us the positives first? It was Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't give it a blank check the, the anymore. Open, no, the opening credit a blank check. But it was it was phenomenally directed. Some great um, action set pieces. A real good cast. Very strong, solid cast. Interesting characters, and and plenty of stuff to think about. Maybe not think about too much because I think part of the problem that people have had is they've gone away and tried to analyse it as if it was like you know a documentary. Uh, and it's not; it's just fantasy. So you, you could pop, you could pick plot holes in basically any film, 
you know, stuff stuff happens for even story reasons. Even John Wick, yeah. You know. I mean, John Wick. John Wick is a ridiculous fantasy about a man who can kill somebody with a pencil. Um, you know, you, if you if you're going into these films expecting to be like completely and utterly uh, convinced about the science and the structure of it and all the rest of it, it's entertainment. You know, um, I I thoroughly enjoyed every moment of it. There were rousing parts where you just went, "Yes, this is fantastic." There were bits I went in quite cold, so I didn't know. I hadn't read many spoilers. Did you take a moment or a jumper with you? <laughs> <laughs> The cinema was very well heated, so my coldness from entering the cinema was alleviated by the heating. Um, no, so I, there were bits in it where it was like, "Oh, great! This this happened and that happened," and um, I, I just I just thought it was um, a, a, an entertaining two and a bit hours. I'm going to pick up on something you said actually, because like I really agree with you. It's you know, Star Wars isn't sci-fi; it's space fantasy. Like you know, the plot shouldn't. What I'm saying is if you're looking for intellectual rigour in it, you're probably not going to look at the way it's plotted and, you know, the, the way things work functionally. I do think, actually, though, it was quite a clever film in the way, and I'm going to sound like a pseudo-intellectual here, in the way it had a conversation with the previous material. Because um, the first um, Force Awakens, you know, as has been widely commented, was just a replay of the first, first Star Wars. And yes, this did lots of bits from the rest of the trilogy, and sort of mix them up. But I also thought it had some pretty sober dialogues with the previous movies about what they're about, uh, what the heroes are about, and it sets it up really interestingly for the end of this particular story. I think what they were trying to do with this film is throw away the mythos from the first six films. Yeah. That's basically what it felt like. It was everything you've learned in the last six or seven films is wrong. It, this is how the galaxy really works. And I think that's what they're trying to do with Benicio Del Toro's character when they introduced him. He's like, there's no good, there's no bad, there's no first order, there's no resistance, they're all the same people, just fighting a perpetual war which earns these people a lot of money. Del Toro's character was one impulse decision away from being Han Solo. Yeah. Basically the same guy, only... Well, I was half expecting him to be Lando at one point. Yeah, yeah, actually. When they showed the boots, I thought, is this how they're going to bring back Billy D. Williams? Because that would be a brilliant way to. Mm, let's it. face it, and they're not bringing back Billy D. Williams. That man's our work. Mm. Yeah, but that actually, what is he doing? Well, he's been in to... Rebels a few times. Oh, okay, but they haven't really mentioned what happened to him post um, Return of the Jedi. Just kicking around, and just just doing stuff. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like the the that's what Force Awakens basically said is after the war, everything turned into legends of. Like Luke Skywalker's this powerful god character, and Han Solo's the ultimate smuggler and stuff like that. But it's know. quite interesting that they have kind of knocked back all of these characters who are basically, you know, the heroes of the original trilogy. And now, like Han Solo was kicking around the galaxy, you know, As escorting raptors around yeah. and getting his ass bit off practically. And, and Luke has just gone, you know, so I liked what they did with Luke. I can see, um, you know, in a lot of the kind of stuff before Mark Hamill was a bit kind of like, I'm not sure I'm 100% on board with what the direction my character takes, but I kind of liked um, okay. the fact that he, he wasn't kind of this glowing beacon. He was actually jaded. He actually kind of went, I did all of this stuff, and still it made no difference. Yeah. And I think in the, what we've, what we're 
not seen is is the time and the place in which this film is being made. We are living in a world where all of the glorious heroes of our past and all the things that they've done, you know, those people that stood up in the 60s and 70s and civil rights leaders and all of this and this whole thing of like, civilization is progressing, we're actually decent people. Oh, actually, yeah, when you look at it, it's not that different. It's the breakdown of hero worship. It's We have these characters who are held up as these are golden light people and these saviors of the galaxy, but people forget they actually are still people. They've still got their own troubles. Yeah. They're, still, they're I, not going to be this... Pretty much Luke Skywalker was a Jesus character, basically. He was like the second coming of, this is a god person who will rescue us all from evilness the fate and it's kind of like basically saying i'm still myself a human now if even though i've got all these force powers of a jedi master i can still make mistakes and i still can show that i make mistakes well from a personal perspective luke skywalker was never a hero to me until he turned and grimly drank a a liter of walrus milk while staring directly (laughs) at the camera that was my favorite moment in cinema last year my my Favourite thing that's come out of that is this new bee that started off now, which is the nuns that they have in this attic of the planet. And basically just people have put Father Ted quotes underneath them now. <laughs> <laughs> so you've just got Go on, go on. Them. What milk could you take? <laughs> yes, basically yeah. that's it. I was so hacked off with that plan. They were constantly teasing a sea monster fight that never happened. Just personal beef. Well, they had that massive build-up with Adam Driver going to Ireland when during the filming and saying, so there's going to be this massive Kylo Ren versus Luke Skywalker fight on Atria. And it's like, that was going to be the big thing. And it was basically the world's biggest dodge where he just, all he is is holding Daisy Ridley's hand for three seconds. And that's yeah. the only reason he flew to Ireland. <laughs> but that's kind of how films work. Because yeah. making stuff. But I also kind of like the underlying sense of like, um, the real heroes are the nobodies. Yeah. I kind of like the idea that kind of like Ray just she's just she just is she's just a, a, a sand rat from a desert planet who had no relationship and the kind of introducing all of the kind of the kids uh, uh, on um, the casino planet which um, well the vice yeah. admiral who was just a straight up professional yeah I, I really have issues with Laura Dern's character really I, I, I it it wasn't needed from start to finish. Yeah, but it's Laura Dermot. She had a podcast I'm, I, year, yeah. so... But it was kind of like, why is she in this film? She served one plot device, and that plot device could have been played by she, Admiral Akbar. It could have been played by any of these... Actually, Akbar should have got what, a what, chance. What, yeah. what is up with killing Admiral Akbar off? No, what's up with killing Admiral Akbar in the worst way possible where he just gets up to... Do, yeah. Do you know what? He should have, he should have shouted, it's a oh, trap. Way, it's spoilers. a trap! <laughs> spoilers, by the way. But he could have done that role perfectly easy. He just left him on the ship. He could have done round, and he could have had a very noble death, and I think the character deserved that. Right, I, I but would, again, it's kind of that thing of like they, 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 the, the, the rebellion or the resistance, as they are now known, is, yeah. we're, we're up against it. They were against it, and the, the idea of like actually these heroes that you know Admiral Akbar leading the fleet to Endor ends up getting axed off in the most ridiculous and pitiful way is actually kind of the reality of it. You look at you know things like Dunkirk and all that kind of stuff, and you know. But then you have There's the opposite no glory of that when in, you in war. It's, it is that kind of like any second, you know, you're then, lucky if you survive. But then yeah. you have the actual opposite of that when they're all in the transports and the major peril and every other transport, but theirs gets blown up around them. It's like, well, why is theirs not being attacked? Yeah. And it's kind of. But again, that's you, the you're kind of doing thing the whole like, cloth armor. Yeah. You're doing it one side, and it's like there's no plot armor, and then you're flipping straight away to the other side, and stuff. But it does uh, lead us to one of the most beautiful moments in the film when she light speeds through the star destroyer, and everything goes quiet. 
for like 40 seconds or a minute or whatever it is. It was a glorious again, moment when you I'm so Whoa. sick of explosions in films, but that's totally redefined. I mean, visually, it was like totally new. Incredible. But why have they never done that any time other before in any of the other battles? Yeah, it does kind of change and, the entire strategic thing. And it? they binned off two ships, which they could have done that with on the way of this mission. Oh, yeah. I think a little bit of it is, is the fact that from the previous, from the original trilogy, and maybe even a little bit from the prequel trilogy, we have had things like Battlestar Galactica uh, and stuff in between, which kind of redefined space battles in the sense of, like, you know, one of the greatest moments of television over the past 10, 15 years is that 33 episode of Galactica, where it's like, yeah. we, we warp out, we've got 33 minutes, and then we've got to go again, because they're on our tail. That yes. was a glorious bit. And I kind of like the naval battle-esque thing of, like, if we just keep ahead of the fleet, out of range, it was kind of, I kind of liked that kind of, like, there wasn't, it was it felt, it felt you know, really, like a naval battle. Yeah. It was kind of like, we just keep ahead. And I know a lot of people have said, oh, why didn't they just light speed out or light speed ahead? The, the way I felt, it was a bit hunt for Red October. It's like more like a submarine battle than a space battle. The way well, yeah, and again, it goes back to the fact that space fans see these things don't yeah. behave like spaceships at all. But yeah. they yeah. kick the lumps out of each other in really satisfying fashion. It's like in the moment in Star Trek uh, Two: Wrath of Khan, when they actually start thinking yeah. about three-dimensional yeah, space. Universe. And like, you know, the Reliant can be underneath the Enterprise and it was like, that was a glorious bit of um, space battle. To wrap this up, three things that really annoy me on top of that in Lorder. Finn's character felt like he went backwards at the start of the film and he woke up and it's like all that character development I had the first film, they just tricked it in the bin so he could basically just partner up with Rose. Casino Planet wasn't needed from start to finish. It just felt like it was a very... It felt a bit Harry Potter, but I don't mind it as much as a lot of other people. Guy, I mean, you had the issues. You, you did leave off the person who genuinely didn't like it here. I got this yeah. show here. It was rubbish. What a, waste, <laughs> what a waste of two and a half hours. Pointless. What was up with the Rose character? Go away. You're not needed. You're pointless. You're just Lando too. <laughs> Stupid. Um, the floater. I'm sorry, she's floating through space. Literally ridiculous. Ridiculous. I was laughing at that scene. Pathetic. It was the only bit where in the entirety of the film she uses a force power. It was And it was like a Harry Potter witch glide, yeah. It was stupid. Ray and and on top of that, when she comes back in, all that would have done was decompress the rest of the ship when they opened the door to let her back in. Yeah, yeah, that that was annoying. Ray, what an awful character. I'm Keira Knightley. Sod off. The kid who's rustled a bag of sweets for the whole film who did my head in, who I chucked sweets at because he was annoying. <laughs> you can sod off as well. The only thing that was really good about it was Billy Lord got more screen time. Not Ben Solo. Half naked. Rubbish. <laughs> Honestly, the more, I thought, the more I thought about it afterwards, like, I was entertained in the cinema, but then I thought to myself afterwards, this wasn't a good film. I think it's, as I said, it's purely a popcorn movie. It's great entertainment to watch it, but don't think about it afterwards. Coming off the back of Rogue One, yeah. seriously, it, it was a misfire. And I, I'm scared about Han Solo. I think it's going to be the flop of the year. Well, we've got a seven-year gap now between this film and the next film in the start timeline, so we'll see what happens with Sorry, the final film. what? So basically, the last um, Force Awakens Last Jedi run concurrently, so it pretty much starts as soon as La- Force Awakens finishes Last Jedi does, but now there's going to be a gap. Whoa, I had no idea. Okay. So it's basically how, how is what's going to happen with Resistance, what's going to happen with the First Order, what's going to happen with the universe whilst this gap goes yeah, on. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was pretty much um, 
an, an obvious thing that the fact that they were going to have to skip forward at some time to one explain away why Leia's not going to be with us anymore, and also to give those kids that we've been introduced to a bit of time to grow up and develop and and to do something with it. So we do we do there has got to be a gap between the next two movies in terms of the, the where the story will develop. My final word on this: I reckon Chewbacca had the smart money. He was taking those porgs onto the Falcon so he could breed them and start like his own space Bernard Matthews kind of outfit. Yeah. Like the Star Wars version of a triple. Yeah, I, I think he wasn't actually just gonna, he wasn't going to do Bernard Matthews. He was going to turn them into use their deep feces to turn them into toilet rolls. Um, which, if you tune into a podcast, you might find more. Paul roll, machine fried creatures. Sorry, I liked it. I gave it a, a thoroughly uh, enjoyable thumbs up. Do you know what summed it up for me as being just... Oh, I feel like it was just kind of like an advert because when, like, the, the same afternoon I was in Toys R Us and some woman was buying one of the Red Knight Guard toys for her kid for Christmas, like a Lego figure. Oh, they were pointless for And I was thinking to myself that this has just become an advert for toys now and I, I, I'm not... It, compared to the last two films, I, I don't think I'll bother with it unless I'm watching the trilogy in full. Phasma got murked again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to separate these two in the studio. 2018 is going to be a year full of geekery, and we thought we'd pull out some of the stuff that we want to <laughs> look at more in 2018. Um, starting off, video games. Keith, have you got a pick of video game that you want for 2018? I shall, I shall flick to my next page of notes. Um, yeah, I, I think um, video games is um, an interesting sphere uh, for us, and I've kind of focused on stuff that, that uh, will be coming out on my the console I own at home. Um, the Plastation. No, I got Xbox One. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I went to the dark side after many years of uh, not being a big Microsoft fan. Um, but they've got they've got a reasonably good lineup of, of, of titles coming up. Um, I mean, curious about things like uh, Beyond Good and Evil Two. It's coming out from Ubisoft because yeah. I have very well, that's very been, fond is memories that of the first out? game. So, so that's well, been in development hell for over a decade. I think there's a couple of games companies this year that are going to be having an interesting time. One of which is Ubisoft, the other of which will be EA, outside of their kind of sports titles. Um, but I, I love the first game. I'm not sure I'm 100% sold on the look of Beyond Good and Evil 2 and the fact they're selling it as this kind of um, No Man's Sky type kind of procedurally generated universe type thing. So. The trailer I had massive issues with because I was a big fan of the original game and it was a beautifully crafted thing and it was a brilliant story and then the new trailer that they did with the monkey thief and it yeah. was just him swearing away and it's like this is not needed. The tone's different isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah it's a com- it looks a completely different game to the, the original in terms of just you know the title itself. I'm yeah. kind of interested in Sea of Thieves. Pirates seem to be a big thing for 2018 in video games. Mm. Um, it's exclusively for Xbox One. It's coming from Rare, who have a fairly decent reputation in terms of games. I'd yeah. say their Nintendo 64 period was amazing, but the most recent Xbox stuff hasn't yeah. been. And they've, done, they've not really done anything decent in terms of when, while they've been with well, Microsoft. They were, they were stuck doing Kinect games for five yeah. years. That's never a great... But it, it looked alright. Um, it looked okay at EGX. So it might be worth a try. You I'll kind of, you know, you kind of want to, uh, um, um, you know, a Monkey Island type kind of thing. Yeah. For, who knows? Um, got Anthem from EA and Bioware, which could be good, could be trash. It's a bit of a tricky one. Bioware suffered a lot with that Mass Effect. I think it's going to be more year. microtransaction than microtransactioning. Yeah, not good. It looks a lot like Destiny 2 to me, which is my biggest disappointment yeah. last year, so... 
But I think a lot of game, games are chasing that kind of multiplayer-only type thing. One of the things that was with the Star Wars Battlefront. Um, Rebellion have got their uh, Strange Brigade. Mm-hmm. Which I can't pronounce for some reason. Or um, that looks alright. Saw that EGX as well. That looked, oh, might be fun. okay. Rebellion yeah. stuff is quite good. I quite enjoyed replaying Road Trooper recently, which is quite cool. Oh, Redux, yeah. Yeah, that's quite good. Um, I know some people are, are not too keen on it, but I'm kind of curious about what they do with Metal Gear Survive. Is this like their multiplayer? Their zombie <laughs> kind of zombie. multiplayer thing, yeah. Could be terrible could be alright well, is Kojima involved anymore I no I don't this is completely this is completely separate now since he's off away doing his kind of um, stuff with Norman Reedus walking dead Hannibal crossover thing <laughs> that he's doing um, We Happy Few from Gearbox looks kind of interesting kind of steampunky uh, I kind of like the character design look at that Gearbox have good. let me down quite a lot with the Borderlands stuff that they've been rehashing and Although the I did not, like, for everything, which was not their fault really, but they put their name to it. Yeah, they're just forever tarnished <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah, but I, I kind of like the look. Of, I mean, you know, it's going to be the one until we get to play it. Any game looks great if they put the right kind of spin on the kind of uh, cutscenes they show you. Um, I'm kind of also looking forward to Ace Combat Seven. Or, Seven. You know, a, a night, a night. <laughs> right, I, I do quite like a good arcadey flight simulator. They're always yeah. quite an interesting thing. Um, whether I'm curious about Overkill's Walking Dead game, most of the other Walking Dead games have been terrible, uh, apart from the Telltale ones, which kind of leads me into the last couple that I'm interested in is Wolf Among Us season two. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that fables. I like I like all the Telltale games. All of them have been really good. Back to the Future, even the Borderlands one. Yeah. All of their Walking Dead stuff has been really good. And we get the final season. Season one was supposed to be quite good. Yeah, it's a really good, really good. Their Batman was really good. Uh, and we've also got the, their final season of the Walking Dead um, game, so we finally get the conclusion of the Clementine. Oh, is that um, this year? Story, yeah. So we're going to get that this year, which should be quite good. And I've enjoyed playing all of those. Um, they've, they've been great games. So I do kind of like the the Telltale game, even though it's not you're not really doing much. The whole storytelling in them has been fabulous. Mm-hmm. I say something that won't happen this year, but I wish it would. It was just talking about Star Wars, made me think of the old mid '90s air combat simulator Tie Fighter. I wish they'd do that with non-gen graphics. It'd just be a mind blower. I think there's a high-res patch in <coughs> Alliance, which was a fairly good game. Yeah, no, a lot's cool. Oh, man can dream. Um, the stuff that is coming out, Sea of Thieves. I'm quite excited about actually because. Um, you know, it's got MMO elements, but it, it looks like it sort of plays that sort of frenetic, slick, cartoonish way of Overwatch, which was, you know, one of my uh, addictions last year, so that's quite exciting. Um, I'm into a lot of sort of more indie, um, sort of city builder type games. There's something called Frostpunk, which I think might be about to come out, mm. uh, or may have just come out. It's uh, been in early access, it's a really bleak... Um, a game where you are a city, uh, you have to build up a city around a heater uh, in a completely frozen Victorian world, uh, which is really depressing and full of excitingly difficult decisions. That looks good. Um, Alexis Kennedy, who used to run Fail Better Games, uh, has now got his own studio and is working on something called Cultist Simulator that I've been following. It looks a lot of fun. And then, of course, there's uh, there's a game I've been writing, which uh, which is going to be brilliant. But again, yeah. NDA. So yeah, well. Any good, information at all on that? Uh, it's got fighting. 
Isn't it? Leisure Suit Larry is back. He's going to secrecy. He's holding confidence, guy. Dying. Um, not much for me, really. Uh, I believe there's a new Tomb Raider game coming out this year, which might yeah. coincide with the Vikanda movie. Which, uh, Tomb Raider games are good, good, good now, so... When should be able to look like 360 degrees? Yeah, so, so yeah. Lara Croft have a massive neck in this, so like you, know, you can see a guy coming like around the corner, she just goes, my neck like a giraffe. Right, so for me, um, Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts the first game was an amazing game from Double Fine Studios, so it's That's been a long sequel. while for that sequel to come out, yeah. So it's probably still going to be in development hell forever, but it's nice. planned for this year. Uh, second one is Metro Exodus. I really enjoyed the Metro games. So you got yes. Metro 2033, Metro 2044, Last Light. If you ever read the books, the books are amazing and the game's taken to Some completely different yeah. world on that one. Um, the new Spider-Man game looks quite good. And the last one, of course, is Red Dead Redemption 2. Forgot about that. Which is going to be amazing. Fingers crossed. Right, on to comics. Yeah. Finger, Keith? I was, I was just going to say, I think, having heard all of those titles, I think what we'll probably find is the best games that we'll play will be the ones that we don't know about that come from indie studios. Yeah. It'll be the, it'll be, I know the guys that did Firewatch have got a new game coming out this year and stuff as well. So I'm kind of looking forward to those games that we, I didn't know about, uh, that, that, that are just going to surprise us and they'll be actually better than some of the big AAA titles. Totally agreed. Moving on to comics and Keith, any picks? <sighs> comics. What a big year. Um, Lots of stuff happening, changing. A um, couple of titles that I kind of just uh, want to highlight, really, in terms of I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, now, about very soon, X-Men Gold Annual, um, which is reintroducing for the 30th anniversary the original Excalibur team, uh, which is Captain Britain and uh, Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride and a couple of other characters. Um, it's written by Mark Guggenheim and Lee Williams, with art by Alithia Martinez. Looks pretty good. Just bringing... Um, the Excalibur team back. It'd be nice to get you know some more kind of Marvel UK type characters back in the Marvel universe, which would be pretty cool. You got X Men right off the back of that, which is the Return of Phoenix. Yeah, well, I'm not too worried about the kind of uh, the more regular characters. I just want to see some people we haven't seen before. We've also got from Mark Russell, who did um, a really good job with the Flintstones recently at DC. Uh, him with Mark uh, Fian have got Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles, which sounds really bizarre. <laughs> Yes. It, ran as, it ran as a backup strip in one of the uh, annuals they did last year where they did the kind of DC um, Hanna-Barbera crossovers. And it was brilliant. It's Snagglepuss kind of in the kind of 50s, but as a um, a gay playwright. And it just was, a, you know, it wasn't a huge amount of pages, but it was absolutely fantastic. And this is a, an ongoing series which looks just phenomenal. And with what he did with the, the Flintstones, I'm really looking forward to what Mark Russell will do with this one. And it looks really, really good. Um, the other kind of thing that's going on that I'm kind of interested in a lot of the big titles that I like this year were coming out of Young Animal um, which is Gerard Way's slightly odd uh, DC thing so they're doing a thing called Milk Wars this year uh, which is a cross, kind of crossover recon for all of their kind of uh, Young Animal titles we've got Doom Patrol crossing over with the JLA um, that looks really great and out of that we're going to get uh, a new series uh, Eternity Girl which is kind of like a, a Kid Eternity from a while back. That's Magdalene Viziaggio and Sunny Leon. That looks really good. Uh, and we've also got, coming from DC, The Terrifics, which is spinning out their current Metal um, Limited series. And that's Jeff Lemire, who's done a lot of really good work. They've got Ivan Rice doing um, artwork on that, which is really good. And the other thing that I'm looking forward to is we had My Favourite Monster. My Favourite Thing is Monsters. 
earlier this year by Emil Ferris. That's volume two is coming out. It's a phone book size thing. It looks fantastic. Finish his story. That's through Fantagraphics. So keep an eye out for that later in the year. Nate. Uh, that was absolutely encyclopedic. <laughs> um, can't add to that other than to say, I really get the Snagglepuss thing. I think those, all of those Hanna-Barbera things have been interesting. And, you know, I love it when people take weird IP and make art with it. Like um, Brandon Graham's run on Profits a few years ago, I thought was one of the most mind-blowing things I'd seen in comics. Because he took, you know, a throwaway Liefeld creation and turned it into this mad distant future sort of planetary romance. So yeah, well up for unexpected IP producing art. Right, from me there's two things. Um, first is Dan Slott's finishing his run on Spider-Man. So that's going to be an amazing finish, I think. It's going to be really interesting to see how that character finishes off. The other one is DC is relaunching Vertigo. So it's 25th anniversary. Um, they're actually going to pump some titles into this channel which used to be some of the most groundbreaking stuff in the world um we've got the sandman book which we talked about last year in one of my christmas presents that's coming out on uh, around june july time so it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with vertigo as well plus you've got brian michael bendis moving over so that's yeah, going to be yeah, really sure. interesting to see how what he's going to do with the comics the dc the, the dc vertigo <laughs> thing is quite interesting i wonder how that's going to work because um uh, the previous kind of editor of all the DC titles, uh, Vertigo titles, is actually now working on a, on a lot of titles uh, through a, a publishing arm called Black Crown, IDW. And they've got things like uh, Punk's Not Dead and uh, I can't remember, some of the good titles, like Karen Berger, but that looks quite interesting. So I think if you're looking for kind of Vertigo titles uh, in the style of, uh, check out Black Crown. They've got quite a few good titles coming up in the, in the next 12 months. Guy, you picked up some vinyl. That you want to talk about this year coming out? Uh, I'll go for it very quickly because we are very short on time. Uh, I can't see my screen right, your hands, and we're It's not that big. <laughs> uh, I just speculate we may see reissues of some of these soundtracks this year, um, which would be good. The Wedding Singer, which would be a nice own because that's 20 years. These are all 20 years since they came out. So The Wedding Singer, um, Fear and Love in Las Vegas soundtrack mm-hmm. could be due a good reissue. Um, Pleasantville. Was that was a great film. I really ago. enjoyed that. It was. Um, 54, which is an obscure film about 1954, uh, Studio 54, with Mike Myers in, but it's got a great disco soundtrack. Uh, and um, The Truman Show, that would be a fantastic reissue. Uh, and Godzilla, which is an infamous soundtrack and really hard to get, apparently. Uh, that really potentially could do, do 20 years. Is that the, 90, the 98? Yeah, the soundtrack. Jamiroquai. And, uh... <laughs> not that soundtrack no the actual score oh, right. is really like hard to get and people will hunt it down talking of 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park this year as well so that's going to be interesting to see if they relaunch that one they they got released a couple of years ago I'm sure they'll do it again I'm sure you'll buy them on their release <laughs> I'm sure I will time for a game it's been a while since we've played a proper game on the show um, we're going to do Who Am I and we're roped in my beautiful wife to be our quiz master is this on the radio yes <laughs> Good afternoon. So do you want to introduce our buttons? Nate? Hello. Keith? Guy? And I am... This is really great having to hear these for the headphones. <laughs> right, so who am I? Um, Ryan Parrish. <laughs> I've pulled out all the actors out of the game set, and it's going to be five descriptions, and we've got first person to get the description right. Do I have to keep a score thing, eh? You can keep a score if you want. Okay, hang on. R is for Ryan, K is for Keith, N is for Nate, and G is for Guy. There you go. 
Rocking. It, it, it looks like a boy band. No, you bring that down. R-K-M-G. Rocking. Here we go. Are right, you ready with the first one, honey? Yes. Okay. I was born in January 1935. Gimli off Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no. <laughs> Philip Ellis. No. I was a film star and vocalist. Philip Ellis. <laughs> no. I auditioned for the Songfellows in 1954. Philip Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> I am not... Elvis Presley. Correct. Yes. He, he's looked at the answers. Looked the answers. <laughs> no, I haven't. Rigged. Okay. I shall shuffle these as he actually got them out of the box. Okay, question number two. I was born in August 1958. Alan Danes. <laughs> I am a famous pop singer. Ian Beale. <laughs> I won a Golden Globe in 1996. Ian Beale. <laughs> I shared a kiss with Britney Spears on stage. Madonna. Draw. I'm going to give it to Nate. Yeah. Oops. Oh, let's get done over on these quizzes. Okay, question number three. My parents divorced when I was young. <laughs> the entire human population. <laughs> I'm an actress and a model. I... Guy Halford. I co-starred opposite Lindsay Lohan in 2004. Tyra Banks. Nope. I was a female lead in Transformers. Megan, Megan Fox. Guy buzzed but didn't say anything. Rosie Huntington <laughs> Whiteley. <laughs> No, it was Megan Fox. Oh. Yeah. Does that mean mine's got two? Yep. Okay. Keith got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> okay, next question. I'm an actor born in 1974. Steve McFadden. I'm a committed environmentalist. Steve McFadden. I've been nominated for five Oscars. Steve McFadden. <laughs> I... Tom Hanks. Nope. I've... Leo. Full name, please. DiCaprio. Yes. So you know, my, 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 girlfriend, my girlfriend's family were playing a game over Christmas. I wasn't involved, I was watching Avengers on TV. But he was asked who played... No, you were playing Dreamphone. Yeah, I was playing Dreamphone. It's great, don't diss it. They were, but he was asked the question, um, who played... Ro- uh, what's the name of Romeo, Romeo's surname, which obviously is Romeo Montague. But he said Romeo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a frosty beverage. <laughs> okay, next question. My real name is Laura Jean. I'm a global ambassador for Avon. <laughs> Give me a floor to the rings. Toby Jones. <laughs> I was married to Ryan Philippi for eight years. Reese Witherspoon. Yes. Reese Witherspoon. You're a machine. Thanks. Okay, next question. I'm an actor and comedian born in 1969. Callum Baines. <laughs> I was married to Tanya Hayden. <laughs> Roy Shelby Brown. <laughs> I've been nominated for two Golden Globes. Billy Crystal. Nope. I'm in the band Tenacious D. Jack Black. Me. Me. <laughs> you just shouting out. Are you actually pressing your buzzers? Yes. That was definitely a point for me. It's like watching two wolves and someone puts me <laughs> salami at them. <laughs> We're just sitting here watching them. <laughs> They're jumping at the microphone. 
come on, guys. we're sharing a microphone and barring each other out of the way. Okay, next question. I went to Harvard University in 1988. Albert Einstein. <laughs> My wife is Luciana Bosan Barroso. Jason Manford. I'm a close friend of Ben Affleck. Matt Damon. And you just should keep press up for cheating. <laughs> Keith, Keith, what's the, point the point answer? Matt Damon. Modern case. <laughs> yes. I love how the fact that that was the one that made everyone buzz gives a suggestion that Ben Affleck only has one friend. <laughs> he does. Okay, next question. I was an actor and a dancer. Danny Dyer. I was a teen idol and sex symbol in the 1980s. George Osmond. <laughs> I was a... Donny Wahlberg. I was a certified pilot. You just make it noises. <laughs> Do you buzz first? Do you want to take an answer? Uh, 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 Glenn Medeiros. <laughs> Can I get a guess? Yes. John Travolta. No. <gasps> what? I died of pancreatic cancer in 2009. So definitely not John Travolta. That's a dark. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Yes. Oh, yeah. Was he a pilot? Yep. He didn't make much of that, did he? I yeah. forgot. Unlike John Travolta. The film Ghost is a documentary now. <laughs> Look at that, digging back up again. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> what nice. Sorry. Okay. I was an influential director born in 1899. Philip Ellis. Tommy Wiseau. I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was refused by Walt Disney to film in Disneyland. Mark Morrison. <laughs> the blood was chocolate in a famous shower scene. Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. I just saw the words, man. Yeah. Okay. I was right, I'm not going to answer the next three questions because I'm that far ahead. Okay. Has this made your mind feel really slow? Because <laughs> yeah. he knows that he can't win. He's already won. Okay, I'll do this very quickly. I was an actor from the silent era. The USA shunned me, considering me a communist. Chaplin, Charlie. Yes. Was it an actor from a silent era makes it sound like no one spoke in the <laughs> Hollywood was just full of mimes. Yeah. I'm known for my distinctive voice and looks. I'm a singer of the glam rock era. Bowie? Yes. You're not feeling so smug now, are you, Ryan? Are you? Last question, I believe it is. No, you can get a couple more okay. in. Final question. I'm an English actor born in 1957. Steve McFadden. Many call me the Silver Fox. Steve McFadden. I'm a selective actor. McFadden. I was knighted in 2014. Helen Mirren. I was Abraham Lincoln in 2012. Don't you Lewis? I think Keith, Keith was first there. <laughs> what guy said? <laughs> yeah. Keith, we've really Hufflepuffed this. <laughs> That's okay. I am actually, I remember a Hufflepuff, uh, so I'm all right. <laughs> I'm Slytherin, of course. I'm the Slytherin as well, apparently. Nice. <laughs> I think school. Yeah. I think Guy would be Ravenclaw. Probably. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brewery podcast this week. Nate, where can we find you again online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, where I am at Frog Croakley. Anywhere else? Um, 
I spend a lot of time in the uh, the, the comments uh, for potato peelers on Amazon.com. So the cool kids hang out. No, just Twitter, really. I can't handle more than one platform. And don't forget, you can find Nate's Amazing Books on Amazon and all good book retailers. Keith, where can we find you? Um, the usual one is uh, Twitter is hardluck underscore hotel. Uh, even though I've considered removing the underscore, it's too much of a hassle on Twitter. So everywhere else, it's just not got the underscore. Guy? Uh, I wish not to be found online this year. Why not Guy H? On Instagram. <laughs> you can find him with Guy underscore Halford. Thanks. Honey, where can we find you? Sorry, I am on Twitter <laughs> at uh, VivYow, that's Y-A-U. I'm also on Instagram at VivyYow72, and I am on Facebook, uh, Viv Parish, uh, Partner in Crime to Geeky Brummy. Mm-hmm. at the half of Brummie Gormond and you can find me at Ryan Parrish um, digging for seafood with Phil Mitchell I wasn't prepped <laughs> <laughs> you, can also you dropped the prawn there yeah, right. yeah, and you can find us all at Geeky Brummie on Facebook Twitter Instagram YouTube we've got some great stuff in there go and like and subscribe and share that and don't forget you can find more of our podcasts on Apple iTunes Podbean Podiant other podcasting services where available and you can listen to any of our live shows again at mixcloud.com forward slash from radio if, if you don't you might feel deflated yes visibly <laughs> whilst hunting for seafood bye everybody thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast if you enjoy what we do then please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio